Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Welcome back to Equipping You Live. This is still season one and uh, episode five. Can you believe that, Alan? It's episode five already, and I think, I'm pretty sure that there are people still out there listening to us. Of course I believe that, or I would have never come to Colorado Springs to record these episodes, uh, but except for the fun with you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, let's be honest, they're not really out there listening to us. They no, are you're right. Out, they are out there because they want to hear what our uh, interviewees uh, have to say. Yeah, we've had and, some great guests so far. And, and we have. So, uh, I'm Terry. And I'm still the uh, church ministries leader of the Alliance. And I'm Alan, still the church planning leader for the Alliance in Eastern Pennsylvania. We're coming to you today just a few miles from the red rocks of the Garden of the Gods, or as, as my wife likes to call it, the Garden of the One True God. Terry in school, that's what we call a Jesus juke. That's where you make something not spiritual about Jesus. That's a Jesus juke. All right, so I'm going home to tell my wife she is a Jesus juker, and uh, that was the voice of our producer, A.J. Gutierrez. I, I think A.J. is the best producer we've ever had for this no podcast. No doubt about it. Clear, far and away, the best producer we've ever had for our podcast. Uh, he makes us sound good even when we don't And that's an accomplishment. Good. It is, it is. It's, uh, we, we raise the bar high for that Absolutely, challenge. we give him the challenge, and he lives up to it. So speaking of uh, good interviewees, today we are interviewing Rob Reimer Reamer, <laughs> and uh, I'm calling him that because there's great debate across the alliance as to how to pronounce his name. I've definitely heard it said in public both ways. I have too. And so we are going to settle that debate once and for all today. Another service provided to you by Equipping You Podcast. We aim to serve. We do. So uh, Rob has uh, written a bunch of books. He reads them fast, or writes them faster than I can read them. Uh, what have you read of Rob's? Uh... Uh, I read Soul Care, loved that, and then went to the conference after that, Soul Care Conference. Uh, that was really a clarifying time for me. Yeah, I was there too, and uh, very helpful in dealing with some things from your past and putting the pieces in place to keep yourself healthy and in your present for and sure. future life. So looking forward to that. I've also read his book, uh, River Dwellers, an excellent book on the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, and he's written several others, teaches at ATS, and does conferences around the Alliance, not only in the U.S., but uh, around the world. And I believe he just came back from Canada for this podcast. I think that's true. I barely landed in the uh, airplane, and uh, we're getting him on this uh, podcast. He's probably in the Equipping You uh, podcast limousine riding from the airport. <laughs> no doubt he is. I can't wait to ride in that myself someday. Right now. So we're looking forward to uh, introducing you to our, our guest, Rob Reimer Reamer. Hey, welcome, Rob, and uh, thanks for joining us today on Equipping You Podcast. Good to be with you guys. And we, th we thank you for taking the time. So before we dive into deeper subjects... The one question that everybody wants to know the answer to is what is the official pronunciation of your name? 
It's actually Reamer. And there's a story behind it, Terry. The story behind it is my great-grandfather fought in World War I for the U.S. And apparently that's the story that was passed down to me. And because the name was Reimer, he was getting some heat. So he anglicized it. Okay. Wow. There we go. Right, we've now got more than we knows. bargained for there. Rob Reamer. Thanks, man. I'm glad we you asked that question. Yeah. Hey, so uh, you planted a church in Boston. Might I add, home of the world champion Boston Red Sox. Oh, my. Yes, that's uh, unfortunate, but true. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for that. You can repent later, but we got to move on. Uh, but, hey, it's well known that New England is one of the more difficult places to plant a church. So a little bit of background. Tell us a story of South Shore uh, Community Church. When I was in seminary, uh, I was actually planning on going to upstate New York, Poughkeepsie, New York. That was my home church, and I was going to go there and plant a church. But one day, a buddy of mine came into my room and said to me, hey, he goes, there's a job that's exactly what you're looking for, discipleship and evangelism, pastor, opportunity to plant a church. And I said, oh, that's cool. Where is it? And he goes, it's in Brockton, Massachusetts. I'm like, I don't want to go to Brockton. I don't think so. <laughs> I said, you know, my brother lives out there. I see the news. Brockton's always in negative news. There's murders, all this. I said, I don't think so. But I went and interviewed because I thought it'd be good. And I, I get called to come and candidate. There's two other people. They both have experience. I don't. So I went out and I said, Lord, if you want me to do this, and you need to do three things for me. First, you really need to make sure that I get a unanimous vote. Second, my wife has to be okay with this because she was a little nervous moving to a city in that environment. And third, I said, you have to do something that I know it came from you. So we go out, sure enough, 25 people voting. They all vote for me. I'm like, okay, here we go. I can smell where this one's going. <laughs> and then my wife, you know, we're driving away back home to New York. And, you know, she had also grown up in New York. And I said to her, what do you think? And she goes, you know, she goes, I'd rather move there than stay here. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I'm like, this is a divine setup, right? So then the third thing was I went to my home church that Sunday and there was an, there was an old missionary there had retired and he was working part time on staff like I was there in my home church in Poughkeepsie, New York. His name was Austin Parliament. And he, he grabs me, takes me aside, and he says to me, this week when I was praying, the Lord told me you need to move to Brockton, Massachusetts. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. He didn't know it. He didn't Done know deal. There. Yeah. Done deal. That's pretty so clear. So that seemed like God wanted me in it. So I went. <laughs> so tell us more about the we church then. With a hand, yeah, we started with a handful of people, with eight people. And, uh, you know, I had one thing that I said to him. I said, you know, we are going to be on mission. We're not going to put our name out any place. We're not going to advertise. We're not going to do anything to promote this and try to draw from not other believers. I said, we are going to be on mission together. We are either going to succeed on mission or we're going to fail on mission, but we are going to be on mission. Hmm. And so we just mobilized all those guys into the harvest field and started seeing people come to Christ. And the story took off from there. Wonderful. In the great city of Boston. Yeah. There's sinners there, too. I bet you found that out. Oh, dear God. <laughs> there sure were. So uh, you transitioned several months ago out of local church uh, ministry or uh, teaching at ATS and uh, doing a lot of soul care conferences around the U.S. and around the world. What are some of the ways that you see uh, – that the things that happened, the things you experienced while you were pastoring there in South Sword Community Church have uh, kind of prepared you and led you to the ministry emphasis that you have today? 
Well, I guess several things. First, you know, when I really went about doing soul care stuff, it wasn't actually because I planned on writing a book or even doing soul care conferences. Truth is, you know, early on we planted the church. The church was succeeding. Lots of people were coming to Christ. It was growing, but our marriage was in trouble. And I just, you know, in the beginning I was praying Jen would change. And uh, you know how God answers those prayers. And, uh, And then I started to realize, like, the only person I have any quality control over here is me. And so I said, you know, Lord, there's some stuff broken inside of me. I came to realize it takes two healthy people to have a healthy relationship. Scale of one to 10, if you're a four in terms of your emotional and spiritual health, the healthiest relationship you can have is a four. So I went, I got to get healthy. So the whole reason I went after this stuff really was just for me. Mm. But then truthfully, once I realized like, wow, you know, this made a huge difference in my life, in my, you know, emotional health, in my relational health, in my spiritual journey. I thought, why didn't anybody do this for me when I was in seminary, you know? So that's when I started teaching it at the seminary level. And um, honestly, a lot of the developmental things came out of sort of hardships in life. And that was true for ministry, whether it was marriage hardship or ministry hardship. Um, all of those things God redeemed in my life to prepare me for what I'm doing now. He's good like that, isn't he? He sure is. So one of the things, you know, that you you bless people even when you're not there is the books. And uh, we're a little curious about your books, uh, four of them, right? That Besides the one you wrote a long time ago. Uh, yep. And uh, which one of those was really a favorite that really meant a lot to you to write. Uh, you know, it's interesting because it's kind of like favoring your children, right? So, you know, it's kind of hard to have a favorite child. However, I can tell you this, by far the one that sold the most, most popular that I get the most feedback on is Soul Care because, you know, it changes people's lives. But I, I had one review in Canada that was so cool. It was this lady, and I paraphrase, but the gist of the review is, you know, Uh, She'd been in mental health counseling centers and so on and so forth for, you know, a long time. And she said, I got more help from reading soul care and working it than I had in all my years worth of counseling. And what she said to me was in the review, what she said was, you know, I, I read it three times during the course of a year. And every single day I worked on the principles like I would work them into my life. But over the end of the year, she said, I'm healthier than I've ever been. I'm more close to God than I've ever been. So when you get life change stories like that, I mean, that's just really fun. Yeah. Um, River Dwellers was really fun for me to write. I actually wrote it in five days. You know, I edited (laughs) it for six months, but I wrote it in five days. So it was fun to write. Well, we were uh, both blessed to be a part of one of your uh, soul care conferences Daybreak Church, Mechanicsburg, PA, back in the beginning of 2017, uh, so a little over two years ago. What made you see the need for a conference like this beyond just doing it in your local church? Well, you know, originally, again, I really started it as a class for seminary because I wanted people to graduate from seminary and be healthy humans as well as really healthy pastors. Otherwise, you know, sort of the level of the health of the pastor is going to determine a whole lot about the level of the health of a church. So I wanted to help pastors. That's where I started. And then, you know, honestly, again, I just started, it started experiencing, people started experiencing so much life change that I started getting invitations to do conferences. I started the first ones just at South Shore. I just did it out of the church, but really for outsiders as well as for our own people. 
but we were targeting outsiders and pastors. And then, uh, you know, it just started spreading. And honestly, I mean, sadly, the church hasn't done very good at getting much deeper than behavior management or sin management far too often. But Jesus says it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And if you read the passage talking about adultery, so obviously the person acts out of the overflow of the heart. So you got to get to the issues of the heart Mm. and not just behaviors. Yeah, there's no doubt that makes a big difference. And a lot of times our discipleship today leaves out the heart piece of it. That changes everything. Yeah, and then too much of the discipleship stuff has been cognitive, you know. Even the the misquote of John 8, 32 that we use, right? So here's how we always quote it. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's a very Western cognitive concept. If I just believe the right things, I'll do the right things. But that isn't even what Jesus taught. What Jesus actually said, the, the literal quote is, if you hold to my teaching." then you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But it's an if then promise. Mm. You have to hold on to the truth at the moment. The lies are vying for position at the center of your soul. That's a hard thing. Yeah, it sure is. So what do you say now? You know, you're out there, you're doing the conferences. We've experienced that. What are you saying are the major struggles that pastors are facing to keep their souls healthy today? Well, one, uh, pastors are incredibly lonely. So this year, By the time this year is finished, I'll have spoken to almost 10,000 pastors around the planet. It's a lot. All different denominations, you know, obviously lots within the Christian Missionary Alliance. I just did a conference for the Mennonite Brethren. I've done United Methodists, all kinds of different things. But what I can tell you is I would say less than 10% of pastors, and I ask this question a lot, have a friend that they would say knows them really well, like they're open, honest, and confessional with them. They hang out with them. They have fun with them. Less than 10% of pastors say they have that kind of friend in ministry. Mm. Well, that's that's really hard to be healthy. I mean, you're created in the image of a Trinitarian God. God is community. So to live without community and try to do ministry is going to be pretty bad news for your soul. The other thing is, you know, I mean, we live in a day and age that's just so darn busy. And I think it's really hard for people to capture a healthy rhythm that keeps them vitally connected to God on a consistent, regular basis. Or, you know, like I like to say, living in the river, right? You're living in the river of God's presence on a consistent basis. So tell us some of your own personal uh, rhythms that you know are important to keep in place if your soul is to be healthy. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I've had to do, Terry, in this season is because I'm changing my rhythm because I'm changing my job. So when I was in the pastorate, I had a pretty set rhythm. So it was a lot easier than what I'm doing now in terms of rhythm. But the big gist of it is this, what do you need on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis to keep yourself connected to Jesus or living in the river of his presence on a consistent basis. And so, you know, for me, I know I need daily blocks with God and I need certain disciplines. So, you know, one of the things you have to ask yourself is, you know, what are the disciplines that connect my heart to God? You know, the purpose of reading the Bible isn't to know the Bible. The purpose of reading the Bible is to encounter the living God. 
Well, it's the same as prayer. The purpose of the reading, you know, the purpose of our prayer is not just for us to say things to God. It's to connect to God. Mm. So when your religious routine becomes a rut, you're becoming more religious. But when that routine is fresh and connects you to the heart of God, you're growing deeper and you're living in the river on a consistent basis. So it's not just having some religious routines. It's making sure I'm doing disciplines that connect me deeply to God and I'm doing it sufficiently that I'm staying connected consistently in my life. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Do, uh, could you maybe unpack maybe the rhythm that worked for you? I know it's got to be different for every person, but what worked for you while you were a pastor? Yeah, so one of the things that I needed was I knew I needed like three blocks of time. I still pretty much do. I needed three blocks of time every week. When I say blocks of time, like, you know, two, three hour block where I would connect with God. And so, you know, it's kind of a slow connection. You know, I'd unpack the stuff that was bothersome to me and pray that through. And But then there would be a slow worship that would just let me soak in his presence, maybe meditation on scripture. And, and then, you know, I'd listen. I'd quiet my soul. I'd spend time in silence and then also listening to his presence. So I'd have like three of those, four of those a week. And then the other days I could do it, you know, 15 to 30 minute quick you know, space with God. And then every other month I went away to a monastery and it wasn't long. It was just a 30 hour block. You know, I left in the morning, dropped my kids off to school in the morning and then went to the monastery. And then I came back by the time the kids came home the next day from school. But that 30 hour block with God was incredibly impactful on my spiritual journey. So if from time to time, you find yourself getting out of sync, the rhythms aren't there, you're not connecting with God. Uh, what, what are some of the warning signs of that for you? What does life begin to look like for you and maybe for others when, uh, when the connection isn't there like it should be? Yeah, so everybody's got to kind of figure out what those warning signs are. You know, So I talk about you have like a dashboard in your soul and so it's just like a dashboard in a car. You know, if the oil light's blinking at you, you ignore that thing to your own peril. So for me, some of those signs, for example, are anxiety. Like I'll feel tension or angst in my inner being. Well, that's a surefire sign that I'm out of alignment with Jesus because Jesus is never nervous. And so, you know, if I'm in right alignment with Jesus, the peace of heaven trumps the circumstances of my life. But when, I, when I'm in alignment with Jesus, I experience this supernatural peace that the Bible talks about that passes all understanding. As soon as I get out of alignment, that angst will roll through my soul. That tells me I'm out of alignment. So the first thing I do when I feel that is I get alone with God and I go, what's underneath that? What's behind that? Because there could be a bunch of different things, but a lot of times there's an adjustment that needs to take place. Another one for me is my anger levels start to get higher. Um, I'll just feel more irritated and annoyed. And that's usually, you know, a pretty good sign that I'm running too fast and I haven't slowed down enough. And another one for me, too, sometimes I, you know, I find it really hard to get still. Like my mind is racing. And when yeah. I go to spend time in silence, I can't shut it down. My you. mind is still racing. And again, that's a surefire mm -hmm. sign to me that I probably haven't had enough block time with God. And my mind isn't, my soul and my mind aren't quiet enough. You know, even that Philippians 4 passage that, pe pe you know, promises peace that passes understanding, talks about the peace that guards our minds 
and our hearts. Mm, good point. Mm. And when it doesn't guard my mind and heart, usually I'm running too fast and I, I need to, sh- you know, sort of shift my rhythm some. Yeah. You know, I've always uh, considered myself a, like a water off a duck's back with my problems, you know, and uh, I, I had hit a, a block about, I don't know, eight years into a church plant where I had to face the fact that I actually was an anxious person. And as I started to unpack that, I realized that a lot of pastors aren't aware, even aware that they wrestle with anxiety. Do you have anything you can speak into that to help pastors be aware of the anxiety besides the loss of, you know, their mind spinning and that kind of stuff, you know, in terms of yeah, not settling? Yeah, so but. several things. You know, it's interesting, right? In Psalm 139, where David, of course, we know, asks, you know, to the Lord to reveal to him if there's any wicked way. Before he asks for the wicked way, he asks to show if there's any anxious thoughts. So David had this keen soul awareness that often before he wandered off the track and rebelled in some sinful behavior, there would be anxiety driving that. There would be a bit of fear at the center of his being. So for me, you know, you start to unwind anxiety. Anxiety and fear are kind of twins. You know, they run together. And so you have to start to say, what do I feel when I feel afraid or anxious? So for me, this is what it feels like. One, my mind is racing. Two, I'll feel a tightness in my chest. Three, I actually usually feel power. I don't feel afraid. You know, Mm. it's that whole fight or flight thing. You kick an adrenaline rush into your body when fear kicks in. And, you know, you're either going to feel like running or some people just freeze like they get paralyzed. But there's a bunch of us out there, type A types, who will actually feel power. We don't feel afraid. We feel this surge of power. So when I start to feel that like super hyper drive of power kicking in, I go, oh, wait a second. There's probably some fear there that I got to address. Wow, that's a good insight. Really appreciate that. It really is. So we've all had experiences in our earlier years that have been difficult, hurts, wounds. What are some of those things that you would uh, say to a pastor or leader if you went through this in your earlier life, you need to make sure that you've gone back and processed that. Um, what, are, what are some of those things? Yeah, so one of the big ones really, of course, is when you get hurt, you have to forgive people who have hurt you. And for a lot of us, we're running so fast, we just blew past it. And for some of us, what ended up happening is we just accumulated a bunch of hurts. So when I do soul care conferences, one of the things I do is I just take a minute and I say, Let's allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and show us if there's anybody we need to forgive, anybody we might have a grudge against, anybody we're a bitterness towards, anybody we have anger towards. I'm no longer amazed, but, uh, you know, having done this thousands and thousands of times with, you know, thousands and thousands of people, I mean, um, man, I have people come up to me all the time and say, I thought I was living, you know, like, right. Yet I didn't think I had anybody I needed to forgive. I have a dozen people on my list. It's wow. we just let these things go. Yeah. And we don't we don't take enough time to slow down and give the Holy Spirit space to shine light into our inner being. That's one. And uh, you know, I just think for me personally, the other one is disappointment. The reality is you go through ministry, and especially, you know, guys, when we get older, I think most midlife crises are nothing more than accumulated disappointments. Hmm. Wow. I, I think Truth. what happens to us is, you know, Preaching. you had a goal in your 20s for what your marriage was going to be like, what your kids were going to be like, what your finances would be like, what your ministry would be like, what your fruit would be in ministry. And you know what? You work real hard at those things in your 30s and 40s, and you don't really think about them that much. You keep going along. And 
someplace late 40s, early 50s, you start to go, you know, there's a lot of good things in my life, but everything didn't turn out like I thought it would. My, my marriage is good, but then there's this piece, or my kids are good, but there's the, also this stuff. And my ministry is good, but boy, I thought it was going to be different. And what happens is you accumulate disappointment. And what it does is it robs your passion from God. Oh, and so displaced passion often ends up in unholy rhythms and in unholy actions. Mm. And so we have to, because, you know, if you have no place, your passion naturally runs towards the things, you know, you're, you, you have that you really believe in, like vision things. Well, when that vision stuff gets stomped on, then you have this misplaced passion, which often goes to unholy things. Wow. Uh, very insightful. That is helpful stuff, man. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. As we start to wrap this up, Rob, I'm wondering, pastor out there trying to make sure he's caring for his own soul. Uh, or leader, leader in the church. Uh, what what are a couple of things that you would recommend for them if they're going to care well for their own souls? Well, first, I, I think they need to consider friendship. You know, I wouldn't have said this years ago, but after having talked to you know over ten thousand pastors, it, it is somewhere around ten percent that actually say they have the kind of friend that they're open, honest, confessional with. And as part of friendship, besides just the openness there also has to be fun. It should be implied in friendship. I don't know anything that is better at restoring the goodness of God at the center of my being than intentionally having fun, especially in the midst of hardship, with a grateful heart. It just restores the goodness of God to the center of my soul. So I think they have to have friends that they're having fun with. Second, I think you gotta unpack stuff in your soul that accumulates disappointments, hurts, bitterness, all those things. They're all there in our soul. I've got to keep my heart soft, broken, humble, contrite before the Lord. You know, this is Proverbs 4 territory, right? Above all else, like priority number one, above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. And then thirdly, just establish a rhythm that keeps you in the river. What do you need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis to keep you consistently in the river of God? If your rhythm's working, awesome. If it's not, change it. Yeah, that is some really helpful stuff, man. And I know that every pastor can take a good little inventory and say, hey, this is what I need to do because I want to be fruitful with God and I don't want my soul care issues to get in the way of that. So you have some helpful resources for people. Uh why don't you, we want to give you an opportunity to tell us about those and where people can find them and put them to use. Yeah, so um, my books are one, Soul Care, and that one's really about unpacking the stuff in your soul. The second one is River Dwellers. That's really about living in the fullness of the Spirit, hearing God's voice, accessing His presence on a regular basis. Uh, and then I have Deep Faith, which really is from John 14, 12. You know, it's a, it's about how do you develop faith to see the works of the kingdom? Because that's what Jesus promises in John 14, 12. And then the last one is uh, Pathways to the King, which is actually the first one that I wrote. And it's really about living a life of renewal and accessing the power of God in our lives. And how do they find out about your soul care conferences that you do? You know, you can go out on my website. If you just Google my name, Rob Reamer, my website will come up. Renewal Ministry International or Dr. Rob Reamer is the website, either one of those. And when you go out there, there's an itinerary, I blog, I have all kinds of social media things you can connect with and all that. So I'm out on every social media platform just about. 
Yeah, we'll make sure that's in our show notes too that we'll have there so people can just click on the link themselves and go right to it. Hey, thanks, Rob, uh, for taking the time to be with us today. We really appreciate it. You've said some helpful things, some things that I think are going to make a difference in the lives of our leaders out in our churches. And uh, if our leaders are healthier, our churches are going to be healthier, and we're going to accomplish more of the mission that Jesus has called us to be a part of. So we really appreciate your time and insights today. Amen. Thanks, Terry. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I love pastors and I love being able to help in any way I can. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Rob. We'll see you again soon. Not only are we thankful for Rob and his good words of challenge uh, to us today, helpful words, but we're thankful for all of you who are listening out there on the Equipping You podcast and uh, hope that you found today very helpful. Join us next time where we're going to keep on helping you be equipped to be fruitful with Jesus. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe to our podcast and share us on social media. That really helps us out a lot and we appreciate it. Until next time, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.